Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. You are about to listen to the dark forest Let's give you the info about it First of all, you know the websites dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. If you like a determiner, jackiecation.com has everything. All my podcasts, including uh, videos of my stand-up, my stand-up schedule, merchandise you can purchase if you would like, and a lot more info than you possibly even need. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg sang and produced and composed that song at the beginning of the show. He sang with his wife, Sarah. It's very beautiful. At the end of the program, he sings his version of the Mexican hat dance. That's Mike Rickberg. Vilmos fixes JackieCation.com. He is uh, the web designer over there. And Patrick Brady fixes the audio. And in this case, there's a video intro. Very exciting. Anyway, those are the websites. If you want to support the show, you're doing it already by listening to it or watching it. And Another way is to tell your friends and family, go on iTunes, do a review. Another way is to just give me money. Yeah. You could go use the donate button. You can make it even monthly if you're okay with making things monthly. You do a PayPal monthly. There's a monthly choice on PayPal. The PayPal is a button on the Jackie Cation or the Dork Forest website, and it goes directly to me. Thank you very much. I will use it wisely or foolishly. Your call as well. Now. My email address, Jackie at JackieCation.com, is where you can contact me if you have any questions or concerns and about the Dork Forest. And I do have a Venmo account. It's Jackie-Cation, oddly enough. Another way to support the show is on DorkForest.com and JackieCation.com. There's an Amazon link. And the Amazon link just takes you to Amazon. You order like normal, and it supports the show because you came from JackieCation or DorkForest.com. Very exciting. Other than that, oh, there are, there is a band camp. You can, if you have listened to all the episodes that are free and you need more content, there are several live episodes that are at thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. And those cost me a couple of bucks, so I charge a couple of bucks. There's also a storytelling album there that you can listen to some stories that I did live. And there are 17 free episodes before the Dork Forest was pre-recorded. So the audio isn't very good, but the guests were super funny and fun and dorky. So if you want to do that, go to thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. Other than that, let's see if there are other things that I should be talking about. Possibly uh, the merch. Yeah, if you want to buy merch. The only other thing I want to talk about is the merch. You can get Dork Forest t-shirts. Uh, and you can get stand-up comedy t-shirts. You can get my albums or my DVD over at JackieCation.com slash merch. There's pins. There's a challenge coin. There's a bunch of new things happening over there. Anyway, a lot of information. I think, I don't think I've missed anything, but who cares? Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my garage. That's right. My little tiny garage room. Returning guest, you guys. Jeremy, is it, it's Ween, right? Yes. I, I sometimes I go wine, but because uh, I haven't talked to you in real life in so long, and I haven't seen you in New York in probably two years. So good to see you, man. Welcome to the program. 
good to see you too. I'm, I'm such a big fan of the podcast, so it's always a thrill. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about um, the other day how uh, I I believe, if I'm correct, I I brought York Forest to New York for the first time as part you of the podcast. You did. It was the live podcast, New York Podcast Festival. Uh, and I did it with Judah Friedlander regarding ping pong, if I and remember then, correctly. And then we did it. We did a second one. The first one was with Wyatt. And then. Uh, oh, we did, yeah. With Bridget. Uh, Bridget Everett was was in one of them. I think we might have yeah. done it three times or yes. no, now. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Bridget's Bridget Everett's storkdom was Barry Manilow, if I remember correctly. Right. right. So, yeah. I think Wyatt's, Wyatt's the first one. And his Judah was whiskey or something. Yeah, and y'all talked about Janice from the Muppets. Oh, that's right. Because uh, here's the thing: I can remember people's dorkdoms. I cannot remember their names or their faces. It is uh, quite a Dragon Riders of Pern dilemma. But Jeremy <laughs> Wayne, you, I know. I, I think your last time it was theater dork, and we could we could update it. But I like what you wrote me. We actually, um, it, this is actually my first time on the podcast. What? Oh, wait yeah. a minute. How did we you never get made, it? Yeah, I've been. Uh, I've, no <laughs> I've wonder. Been, yeah, I think we. I think we started to put the wheels in motion on this a couple of years ago, and then I. I think something happened. Oh, so. it's a classic. It's a cla- The scheduling is genuinely the hardest part of the Dork Forest. Uh, but uh, you're wearing the old school, now discontinued, right? Uh, Dork Forest logo in green. I've sold them out. Now I just have Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirts in my garage. Feel free to buy those, Rangers, uh, so that I can then print. I'm going to print uh, essentially that design on a black t-shirt with, uh, with green, green writing. I am so going to bring that back. I'm looking at the, uh, the magnet, too. I still oh, have. sweet, sweet Ranger magnet. Those are totally discontinued. You got some old school stuff going on here. I can't believe. Anyway, uh, it's Jeremy Wine. Uh, Ween, by the way, and it's at This Is My Show on Twitter. And you have uh, a try to get good, good helper theater stuff play per view. Tell me uh, about that first, just because I. So uh, the Twitter's at This My Show. Yep. No, it is. Uh, and uh, play per view is a live streaming theatrical uh, event um, initiative that was formed as a direct response to the COVID 19 pandemic. Uh, we do live stream theater reading events to support nonprofit theaters and community impacted organizations um, across the country. Uh, yeah. In our first six months, we've done 23 readings and we've raised over $100,000 for various causes. Oh my God, that is amazing. And are you doing, are, are people doing sort of a Zoom gallery, a table read kind of thing? It's a little bit more produced than that. Um, That's awesome. We, we have about like 10 hours of rehearsal. We've done readings now where uh, there's video, there's sound effects. Uh, one of them we did, they're all live. And one we did in real time, we turned it black and white and we had like film grain. So it looked what? like a black and white movie in real time. We did a Dutchman by Amari Baraka with Ule Hill and Jennifer Mudd. And, Can- um, Go ahead. We, um, so we, we decided to turn it into an homage the original film version so we put it in black and white there was like film grain running through it it looks really amazing it was a okay. lot of work. so much okay so this is all done and this is done live streaming live yes this and, is, and is there any sort of post-production and then where can people can go buy it at all or is it a live event one and done so um there's no post-production everything's happening in real time 
Um, our events are streamed live uh, in real time for one performance, and then they're archived and available for rental for four days after that. Just um, four days. So they are these really amazing little time. Oh, it's theater. like seeing live theater. It's like mm-hmm. seeing live stand up on Zoom where you're like, no, no, this is it. This is uh, we don't know. I'm going to mention how Ben is blazing up when I go to gallery view and uh, he's you're you're just going to be there for that. And that's going to be it. That's so cool. That is. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So pay-per-view. Is it pay-per-view.com or play play uh, play Play dash per view? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a play. No pun intended. It's a it's a play on pay-per-view. It's play dash per view dot com. But it also has a secondary meaning. So it's um, it's spelled P-E-R-V-I-E-W, but um, it's also referencing the word purview as to have a, a view of a of an idea or. Oh my space. God, theater so, nerds! I yeah. love theater nudes. So, um, so <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah I I'm, I really dig it and um, it's um, it's nice to kind of have that duality because you know the hope is that when all of this is back to normal, whatever that means, um, that we'll still be producing digital work, but hopefully being able to bring this into the physical realm as well. Is it spelled like that? Play dash purview? Uh, it is spelled like this. Okay. Just cause I want to get it right in the notes and, oh, it's per view and it's one word and it's not P U R it's P E R V I E. That's awesome. I am, I am giggly about it. That's how great that is. Well played. Okay. So cool. What is when's the next one? Um, so Anything um, on the books. So by the time this comes out, um, I am not a hundred percent sure what'll be uh officially announced. Um, but we've got some like really cool stuff in the works. Um, so just go to go to that website and and so, do you have an email list over there? Yeah, one you would can imagine start with an email list. Um, in, in six months, we've got 6,000 people on our email list, which is kind of yes, amazing. That uh, and, um, rules. It, it's cool. It's really kind of become this, like we we've, it's been a lot of like testing and all this other stuff, but now we're consistently on Saturdays. So for some people, we're just like the Saturday thing that they do now. They don't really care what the, the, the play is. Yeah. Itself. It's like, oh, I can see theater in my living room for $5. That's, and and it all benefits different uh, uh, charities. Is that true? Yeah. Are, are you also paying the the actors and the writers? Yes, or? Every everyone that's involved gets an honorarium for their time. So good. Uh, good. Everyone is because um, there is no work. So if this is work, somebody they should get some money for it. So that's great. Yes. Every we've we've put honorariums in the hands of over a hundred artists over the last six months. So, yes. Um, and we're progressively working to increase that amount. Um, we've already doubled what the payout was from when we first started, and we're looking yeah. to double that again moving forward. All right. This is the best, Jeremy Wayne. But let us discuss the t- the, the life and times, the work of a guy that whose name I know, but it is such a basic name. How could I not know it? Kevin Smith. <laughs> Kevin Smith? I get him mixed up with the guy who did the Fantastic Fox. Isn't um, that a guy named Smith? No, I think so. Are so? Do you? What is Kevin your Smith. what is your reference point to Kevin Smith? Have you ever seen any of his movies or any of maybe, his stuff? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Who? What? Um, 
So, I mean, if people don't know, Kevin Smith is really kind of notorious for this movie called Clerks. There's a big mythology about it with sold <laughs> all his comic books and it cost $27,000 and he made it with his friends and, and the convenience store that he was working at overnight. And, you he's, know, he's like he's like the sort of the triumph of of a of, of a, a, a sort of a, a, a hipster, but not but like like created like created hope for because that I remember when that came out, it was it was huge. It was sort of like, did you ever see El Mariachi Rodriguez? Yeah, it's a similar idea. It was the idea of like people taking a shoestring budget and just like not waiting for other people to open doors. And they're like, we're going to go make this thing with people that we love to work with. And, you know, yeah. hopefully there are other people in the universe that dig what we're trying to do. Right, um, right. I never have seen Clerks. Uh, how does it? Have you seen it? Re- I mean, I don't know how it ages. Quite honestly, it may not, and that's not his fault, right? Yeah, I mean, I the last time I saw it was two years ago, and it was actually the first time I got to actually see it in a theater. I've only ever seen it on DVD or home video. Um, they did uh, this. So Kevin, throughout his career, has done these things called Vulgarthon. Um, so these are like film festivals, these are essentially like Kevin Smith film festivals. So they feature his work and sometimes they feature the work of like his friends or people that like his company is producing, et cetera, et cetera. And they hadn't done one for a very, very long time. So they, um, Kevin had a, had a massive heart attack a couple years ago. Um, how old is Kevin Smith? Uh, he just turned 50. What? Five oh? He had, yeah, and he had a widowmaker two two years ago, What's which that? is like it's when your um, it's when one of your artery your arteries your heart. I'm pointing up here like this is where your heart is <laughs> up, up near your nipple. Left. It's actually it's for people that don't know your heart is actually in the middle of your chest. Um, okay. All <laughs> um, right. <laughs> he one um he had one of the arteries was 99 percent clogged, um so it was like. That it's called a widowmaker. It usually takes you out. Right. You have a heart attack with that um, with that much impact. Wow. Um, and he survived. And so they hadn't done this Volgarthon thing in a really long time. So um, his buddy Ernie O'Donnell, who's also in Clerks, uh, reached out to him and was like, "Hey, for your birthday this year, we should do Volgarthon." You know, like because he's he survived this massive thing. So we went to Red Bank. And um, it was really, I mean, it was really amazing. It was like being with like 300 other people that just love Kevin's work and getting to watch like, they they took the um, the original film lineup from the first one from like 98. Um, okay. And in one theater, it played in one order. And in the second theater, it played in the reverse order. And they did like Q and A's after everyone. And so I felt really fortunate because in our theater, the last movie we saw was Clerks. So we okay. had like back, we were doing the, chrono, the the five movies backwards and the other theater was doing the five movies forwards. And which, what are the five movies? It was, um, I believe it was, um, it was Clerks, it was Mallrats, I think. I've heard Dogma, of that too. <laughs> Shit. Uh, Dogma, and then. Um, I saw Dogma, okay. <laughs> Uh, um, this movie called Drawing Files, which is a smaller movie 
that he produced. Uh, one of his friends directed it. I think Vincent Peralta was the director of that movie. Okay. And then I can't remember off the top of my head what the fifth one was. Because I was also kind of through all of this going in and out of the theater because like all of the people that Kevin has ever worked with were just like hanging around. So like, you know, Brian That's what you get for living in New York and being in a, in a theater is that you get to see and meet all these people. Wow. Well, they did this in, they did this in New Jersey. They did this in Red Bank, New Jersey, where, where Kevin. Oh, that's what Red Bank is. I don't know what Red Bank is. That's what he grew up in New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. He's a, yeah. He's a Jersey boy. Um, Are you from New Jersey? No, I am not. I'm from South Florida. I'm probably the complete opposite of New Jersey. Um, but, but that being said, you know, a lot of people that Kevin worked with on clerks, they still live there. You know what I mean? Those were his friends and all the people that he like grew up with. So like, you know, the, the movies are playing and I'm kind of like popping in and out. Cause it's like, Oh, Brian O'Halloran who played Dante's hanging out and Ernie Klein, who was this guy in clerks and this person from the, you know, they're all just kind of mulling around outside. And so it's just kind of like popping in and out to just like see what's going on. Ernie Klein, who uh, who is Ernie Klein, who who did um, Ready Player One? No, 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 that's um, a different one. That's a I different guy it. named Ernie Klein. Okay, because yeah. uh, he was on the Dork Forest. That guy. Oh, um, was he? yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, wow. So, cop out. And she, okay, here, first of all, Jeremy, let me tell you that who I was mixing Kevin Smith up with, because I do no research, was uh, Wes Anderson. <laughs> uh, yeah, two very different uh, filmmakers and personalities. And uh, yeah, because they're different people. Uh, but I don't, uh, but I can't, I can't tell. They're, uh, are, are they just, are they white guys of a certain age? Because uh, it's all a blur to me. But then I have that face thing, which I think also is called self-absorption. But uh, let's do, uh, so he, so he's, uh, so I'm trying to, he did something called Tusk. Oh, did yes. Fanboys, was that him? No, he's in, he, he makes a cameo in that movie. Okay. Um, have you ever seen Fanboys? No. It's a really funny uh, little movie that had like a really weird history with the Weinstein company over Final Cut and whatnot. Um, but the premise of the movie is about these guys that grew up loving Star Wars and it's like two weeks before episode one is supposed to come out. That's er- that's Ernie Klein, I think. Ernie wrote that movie. Yeah. Ernie, I definitely believe Ernie wrote that movie. And... Um... The, okay, so tell me a story about about, about uh, Kevin Smith, and I'm going to look up Ernie Klein. So just because that's where I'm at. Okay, um, but um, yeah, I'm, you know, the, I've I've been really fortunate to get to meet Kevin several times over the years, and I'll tell you a, a very recent story. Um, so uh, in the middle of all this pandemic stuff. Um, so in Kevin's movies, there's a fictional fast food restaurant called Moobies. How um, do you spell that? M-O-O-B-Y-S. I knew it um, wasn't what I thought I heard. There we go. <laughs> um, and um, so they decided, well, before the pandemic, they were planning on doing this um, this like pop-up restaurant. You know, they've been doing a couple of these in L.A. It's yeah. the people that did the Saved by the Bell one and the, the Breaking Bad one, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, so they decided even with everything going on, they were still going to go ahead with it and do all the social distance stuff, et cetera, et cetera. 
concurrent to that, um, you know, I'm in a long distance relationship with someone in LA. Um, Congratulations and, and my condolences. Very hard. <laughs> yeah. um, but so this is like about three months into the pandemic. And I was just like, I was like, I have to go see her because like, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do a long distance relationship. It's even harder when suddenly you're not seeing that person every six to eight weeks. Cause you're going here for work, here for work, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, okay, I was like, I'm going to go and we'll go to big bear and like, we'll have like a social distance vacation, blah, blah, blah. And the dates timed out to when they were doing this pop-up restaurant. So I was like, okay, so I'll like hang back in LA for like a couple of days. So I sent a tweet out that was like, I never want my fandom question, my Kevin Smith fandom questioned. I'm going to movies in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And he retweeted me. What? And he, and he was like, he was like, no, think about your health. But I guess, you know, if you're going to come all this way, I might as well come by and say hi. So the man, in, again, this is in the middle of a pandemic. This man takes time out of his day to come down when we went to the pop-up, he came down, took pictures with me and my buddy, talked to us for like a good 10 minutes. And it's wow. like, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have no. to do that to start with, right. let alone in the middle of a pandemic. And I think that's what's, I think that's what's so smart about Kevin is that like he, he, he understands fandom like he understands that, like because he was he was he, one of us. He was a fan, right? He's one of those guys. He's a guy that ca- comes from that sort of nerd place, and then he becomes very popular. So he knows that he better, because he knows how how long the memories are. Of, I mean, it's it's not why I'm available to Rangers of the Dork Forest, because uh, just because I uh, I would also like to talk about your dorkdom, but um, but because but it is partially that because I know that. I know that we're all just a little bit obsessed in our own minds. And so who doesn't want to, I like, are you kidding? When I met Cage Baker, I lost my shit. And, uh, this is my favorite science fiction writer. Anyway, uh, same with N.K. Jemison, my current favorite living science fiction writer. Uh, and, uh, so I was in an elevator with her and I said, are you N.K. Jemison? And she goes, Naomi. Yes. And I said, I'm a very large fan. I'm a huge fan. And she's like, great. And then we uh, left that elevator. Anyway, so, uh, but what, uh, so you got to hang out with him and go to, what was movies though? What was it? So it was like, it was like, so in the in the films, it's like this McDonald's uh, Burger King kind of place. Um, you know, Dogma, I think is like where it first pops up and it's, um, it, it plays this big part in the the idea in the film talking about like, false idols and all of this other stuff. Cause it's okay. the golden, their mascot is a golden calf. Okay. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so when you went, they had like a couple of things from that they've referenced in the films, like, like a uh, cow tipper, which is like the big, which is the big Mac. Okay. And they had um, the, the recent Jay and Silent Bob's uh, reboot. Um, there's a there's another restaurant introduced called Cock Smokers, which is a chicken place. Okay. So they had so they had uh, the Cock Smoker chicken sandwich. 
Okay. And then they had Hater Tots, which is another movies thing that gets referenced in those. So it's like a lot of like that geek food thing of like, oh, we're turning the things from the movie into like things you can actually have in real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they do that at Universal uh, yeah. for The Simpsons <laughs> and stuff. It's it's uh, it's excellent. Uh, yep. Excellent uh, uh, marketing and all that. All Mike, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think I get him and Mike Judge mixed up too. Uh, wow, guys of certain age. I I guess it's guys of a certain age who have a very. I mean, it's a. It, they're usually super smart, but also super dumb, kind of senses of humor, right? Where it's like yeah. this mix of 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 you're like, oh, you have you're monumentally overeducated, and you're also a seven and a half year old child. <laughs> and uh, put those two together it's awesome well or, or in the case of mike judge being a prophet and predicting idiocracy <laughs> yeah yeah was, early. yeah uh get lost go away i'm baiting anyway so uh um, yeah it's brutal but i think um you know going back to the idea that he just gets it i mean think about the idea of clerks when it came out what what other movie before that were characters sitting around talking about Jaws and Star Wars and like all this other stuff? You know, it really feels like I know this is going to sound like a weird thing, but it feels it feels like the first filmic representation of like quote nerd culture in a way. Um, it, yeah, it could have been. I mean, where it's just sort of a celebration of it, right? Where you're just like, or just relatable on the sense of like you know. How many, you know, the one of the famous conversations is, in that movie is about, well, what about the contractors that worked on the second Death Star? Oh. <laughs> like, how often do you sit around, like, you go out to bars with people, or you, or, you know, you yeah. have your D night, and those kind of conversations. That's the, con- that's the conversation that you have. You're just like, you think about, it's, it's like Star Trek Lower Decks, right? I mean. Mm-hmm. That that show is made specifically for me and you and our kind, uh, who are but are very nerd like Star Trek centric, you know. So uh, that's that's awesome. Does he only do? I thought you said he did cartoons. Does he only do live action? No, he does live action. But he had so they turned the um, this this goes into my other nerd dumb, which is animation. Um, they very. Um, haphazardly so so there's two interesting things so clerks they originally tried to adapt as a live action series um several years later and the big thing about that is that um oh uh what's his name um i believe um in the pilot jim brewer is uh plays one of the characters plays randall Okay. Um, they, didn't bring, they didn't bring anyone from the film into this TV version and it's floating around. It's on like the 10th anniversary DVD, et cetera. Okay. Et cetera. And so it didn't, um, it didn't work. Um, and then um, five years later, ABC again um, tries to turn it into a cartoon, um, which has a very infamous thing because the movie is very much an R movie uh, ABC is trying to create this like answer to the Simpsons. Um, so, you know, in Clerks, Jay and Silent Bob are weed dealers. In the cartoon, they're fireworks dealers. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like it, it only, there were only six episodes. The, they aired 
the second, they aired the sixth episode in production order second, which was a flashback episode to stuff that people had not seen at that point, which made it make even less sense. Right. Uh, they do the uh, they do the cliche. Uh, they both get locked in the freezer and sure. they're flashing back to everything. But because it aired second instead of like fifth or sixth, they're referencing all of this stuff that no one has seen. So the so the show gets canceled after two episodes. Okay, because people don't know what to think of it. They advertise the show during the Super Bowl. Weird. Yeah. So and they're so- they, they're pushing it, but they don't put it out right but they also don't know what exactly they're like they don't yeah. know what it, it what they want it to be and like it was crazy like alec baldwin is like the mayor of of the town and what it's it's a really crazy it's six episodes and it's really funny because um it's 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 gotten a good amount of play it was in um because again i i have to imagine it's only six episodes the licensing for reruns is probably not a lot so right. it's it, it's run on Comedy Central and reruns. It's run on Adult Swim and reruns. Um, you know, it's been around and around. Right. Um, but it's so, um, that's what's funny to me when you look at like, like that was such an interesting period because it felt like when everyone was trying to chase after family, like the Simpsons and stuff. Like, yeah. Like, what is our Simpsons? Because at that point, like past, the Flintstones, like no one understood after the Simpsons, like how to get adult animated More of that. on yeah. prime time. Right. Um, and then the Venture Brothers was created and it's outstanding. Um, yeah. And it's also not happening anymore. Because- right. But they essentially lifted that model, I th- as far as I could tell, and moved it to Harley Quinn on DC. Uh, so I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, I have. It's amazing. The fact that it hasn't been picked up for a third season yet really is weird. It's very odd. Uh, And it's, I I have to admit, super jealous that they got all male comics to do the voices. Did not get any women comics to do any of the women voices. Well, I will. Well, make a note. Wanda Sykes is on that show. Uh, Right. She's a comic, but she's also a giant star. Like, I'm talking about. Ron Funches and James Adomian, who are who are famous e and really good at what they do and hilarious and wonderful, but uh, not Wanda Sykes level. Well, I mean, I already said this to you, and I can't really talk about it that much, but I am developing something that, like, you definitely are on our short list of like. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I I tweeted out, you guys, that I would like to do some voiceover work, your animation, your audiobook. Uh, whatever, talk to me. That's right, JackieJackieGation.com. By the way, I am talking with Jeremy uh, Ween, and I constantly want to go wine, but it's Ween, and it's uh, Play Per View is the is the thing that you're working with to put plays online, uh, and it's uh, for charity, and it pays uh, actors and, and people involved, and at this, my show, for uh, people to follow you on the Twitter. So, Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting about Kevin Smith and Mike Judge and Wes Anderson to lump them all together is to do them all a disservice, probably, uh, because they don't they don't need that. It'd be like saying that I'm Rosie O'Donnell, but um, it does both of us a disservice. <laughs> so, uh, but the 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 crazy thing is is like sometimes I I know that I watch stuff like Clerks and. Um, 
I fear, this is what I fear. And is, does has Kevin Smith address this? Does he, is he part of the people that fixes this where sometimes women don't feel comfortable, you know, in, in the nerd culture, you know how sometimes it can, boys are mean sometimes. And they're like, Oh, girls, we're, we're at our he-man, uh, honeycomb club. I think he's someone that's definitely evolved a lot as a creator and a cool. filmmaker. Um, you know, going back to the Vulgarthon thing, um, you know, it, it was rewatching some of his films that I hadn't watched in a while. And there are some stuff that you kind of go, oh, that, that's, that's, and, and, and to his credit, during the Q&A, he, he, that's he awesome. acknowledged all of it. He that's, was like, and, he was and like, literally that's what you want, right? He acknowledged all of it. And, you know, I think a thing that really speaks to him as a person you know, he, and he's someone that had his career is because of the Weinstein brothers. Harvey Weinstein, that guy? Harvey Weinstein. Miramax released, well, Miramax is the one that picked up clerks out of cans and is the reason that Kevin has a career. And to Kevin's credit, when all that stuff with Harvey started going down, he he felt ashamed and embarrassed that he had any connection to him. And he made a commitment that his royalties on, on the films that were under the Weinstein umbrella, that he was going to be donating to an organization that helps promote um, women in film. Okay. That's awesome. It's this organization that like, you know, they do workshops with like female filmmakers and all this other stuff. And I think, that's real immense. That's like financial yeah. reparations kind of immense. That's the kind of like I've, I've recently this I'm going to weed off here. We'll give you a couple extra minutes, Jeremy. But the uh, but the the thing is, is we are I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about how this country is got a problem where it cannot be honest with itself and its own history. And if we could somehow, you know, literally you want to take the 12 steps from OA, from AA, from NA, from DA, from all of these anonymous groups and go, the United States is unmanageable. The United States needs to do an inventory of, of things that we've done wrong. And we want to make a list and somehow try to fix that. His, we, we, we're doing it as individuals, right? And it sounds like Kevin Smith, that sort of acknowledgement that sort of grown-up adult. I just did an episode a couple of uh, episodes ago about Jay-Z. And, uh, and the comic I was talking to was telling me how much a relief it was that Jay-Z is essentially... I mean, the guy's 45, 50 years old, so he's, but he's growing up, you know? He's going to live to be 100 years old. So he has 40 years to, not, to figure out how not to cheat on his wife and not be a dick. And... And and this that's incredibly hopeful to me that Kevin Smith has that sort of sanity and that sort of sense of, you know, seeing because we were all assholes in the 90s. Right. I mean, there were things that I said and done. Thank you, baby Jesus, that they weren't. And 10 years from now, things that were that I say now are probably going to be like, hey, jackass, would you say that for? And you're like, well, it was funny at the time. <laughs> so, yeah. That's yeah, cool. it's weird. It's weird to have to think about to apply the rule of tattoos to like what your what your comedy and what you make jokes. <laughs> about. You know, yeah. if for people listening that know don't know, the idea is like 
if you're going to get a tattoo, make sure you're as happy with it at 28 as you are when you're wrinkly at 66. <laughs> you know? Who, was, who did the joke? God, I'm spacing her name. It might be Sarah Petacasa. Anyway, she has a tramp stamp on her uh, on her back. And she's comic. And uh, she did this joke about how she got that tramp stamp and um, before it was called a tramp stamp. And uh, she did it because she loved Jesus. Uh, and so it's a butterfly right above her butt. And uh, she said the only way to fix it and is to make it ironic and to put quote marks around it. <laughs> Which is this, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. It's such a great bit. I can't, uh, Sarah Benicasa, am I right? I, I don't know. But I'm not sure. Fair enough. Uh, I welcome to the Dork Forest where I tend to weed off. The internet will correct us if we're wrong. They will. Oh, by the way, Ernie Klein did write Fanboys and Ready Player One. Yes. And he Uh, has been on the Dork Forest. I I I mixed I mixed up uh, Ernie Klein and uh, it's actually the gentleman's name is uh, Ernie O'Donnell. Oh, okay. Oh, that's who was in the it was in the movies. Yes. Um, Yeah. I like um, I like Rule of Tattoos though. Yeah. Do you have any tattoos? I don't, but I remember the one, the one and only tattoo I ever actually really wanted, uh, which this, this opens up like a whole other can of worms into my life. (laughs) Remember my mom, she had like a rose tattoo on her ankle and she would go in every couple of years to get it like touched up. Um, cause she also used tanning beds a lot. So it, okay. it would screw up the tattoo, I guess, was the, the I don't know, it was like eight. Um, and I remember going in to this tattoo parlor with her and flipping through um, the book, uh, you know, the artist book or whatever. And there was this giant Bart Simpson on a skateboard. And I yes. was like, eight. And, and I was <laughs> the only tattoo I've ever and which would not have happened at that age because highly illegal. Um, yeah. Even in Florida, even in Southern Florida, you guys. My, my mom was a bad influence. She's the reason I got my ear pierced when I was like 16, which was like a whole other horrific thing of like, Ooh, she took me to infected? a mall. Yeah. No, but the funny thing is I, I, I took it out after not even a day and somehow the hole stayed open. I still have, I still have my piercing, but I never wear a piercing except for, um, Sometimes um, I'll work someplace long enough, and then one day I'll just randomly walk in with this, <laughs> and people just get massively confused. People get massively confused. Or um, something I've done before, and this speaks to how much of a maniac I am. I'll take um, I'll take a paperclip ahead of time and unfold it, and I'll like I'll sanitize it and whatnot, and I'll Thank you. it, and I'll and I'll freak out my coworkers, and I'll just take the the planted paperclip and undo it and just put it right through my ear. And they just go, Oh my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Tetanus shot, tetanus shot. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I was like, well, I have a hole in my ear. I might as well use it for, for comedy. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) That is so hilarious. People go, Um, your ear pierced. It's like, no, (laughs) just don't don't pay attention. I, uh, in the 90s, for a short-lived time, wanted to get Nightwolf from the Mortal Kombat Ultimate video game on my shin. It isn't okay. Uh, I look back at it and I cringe, uh, and uh, thank God I never did. I'd be an entirely different person, though I assume that I would own a Harley Davidson. I mean, I, I, again, it ties back to my other thing of, like, I love animation, and for me, like, when I was, like, 
when I was like eight years old, I loved The Simpsons. And the only reason, like I still remember the first time I ever saw The Simpsons, my grandmother had a VHS copy of two episodes. Remember when like they used to release VHSs with like only two yeah. episodes? Yeah, and it them? was a nickel. It was like six bucks. <laughs> and you thought you were getting a deal and you kind of weren't. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember, I can, it's so funny, I haven't thought about this in so long, but I can see the box was like green for some reason, and I can't remember the, what the second episode was, but I remember distinctly, one of the episodes was the one where Marge takes bowling lessons, and I think it, the, the bowling instructor is Albert Brooks, um, and it's, it was like a very, this is like a second, third season episode, and it's like, this whole thing of like, oh, she's going to leave Homer for this magnificent bowling instructor. And there's this thing where they share mozzarella stick. And this is when I was like, what did I say, like six? Yeah. This again says a lot about my upbringing. I was watching, sure. you know, I was watching a lot of this stuff that like people my age in the 90s were watching in animation, like Johnny Bravo and Rugrats and Hey Arnold. But at the same time, I remember staying up, being like seven or eight and staying up till... 11:30 at night to watch Space Ghost. Oh Not my god. Really understanding what Space Ghost coast like it's so funny I've been developing this thing and going back I've been going back to a lot of stuff in in developing this thing to like really sink into reference points. And it's so wild now at 29 to watch these episodes of Space Ghost Coast to Coast versus when I was like 8 and just as like, "Ooh, funny voices and colors." Um <laughs> nope. What about uh, um, Beavis and Butthead? Oh yeah, I watched. I watched that. I watched Daria. I watched Free South. I watched Celebrity Deathmatch. I watched Clone High. You I had watched- no choice but to become a theater dork. That's it. <laughs> you were like, and that's all old soul stuff, you know. I mean, that is like even if you look at The Simpsons, you're like, it's so weird. I, I read a study once that said that it was the most popular show in the Latino community, The Simpsons, be, and they interviewed like thousands of people in the Latino community or twelve. Who knows this article, right? And, um, and they said that they watched it because it was a a, a complete unit it was a heterosexual father mother kids in a house kind of thing and they thought that that made it more wholesome but if you watch the simpsons homer simpson is a fucking monster he is the worst dad in the world and strangled strangled his kid they don't they don't they they phase that out after a while but if you go watch those early episodes he like Two hand strangles Bart. He is not only an idiot, he is also financially irresponsible, uh, just like violent, stupid, mean, drunken, like all of the, like he's literally the worst fucking guy in the world. But you're like, but he's all right, which is, I am the last generation of women who will be saying that, by the way. He's a nice enough guy. Um, Fun fact about The Simpsons, it is, to my knowledge, one of only two unscripted shows that premiered the Euros. Well, technically it premiered in 89 with the Christmas episode, but it's officially premiered the year I was born, which is 1990. The other show that premiered that year that is still on the air is Monday Night Raw. Oh, wrestling. Oh, yeah. the wrestling thing. It says All a right. lot about the 90s that like the only two shows that premiered Made it? in and escaped the 90s are wrestling in the simpsons yeah <laughs> it's that third season though was pretty amazing 
if I remember. Like, I, I watched the first, I think, probably 10 or 11 seasons of The Simpsons. And then, you know how you just stop watching TV once you yeah. hit a certain age for some reason? Are you still watching The Simpsons? I'm not. But, you know, what's funny is that, like, I've been real tempted. And I used to watch it religiously, Jackie. Religiously. <laughs> yeah every sign religiously and the funny land around it yeah but because of that i i watched king of the hill every single week i watched family guy i watched all of the random one two season things that i you know what i was re-watching the other night um because for whatever reason i found it on demand the pjs the eddie murphy stop motion show that was on for three years nope i don't remember that at all how was it it's really weird to watch uh that show stoned and in HD. Yeah. Because it's, it's, clay, it's claymation. So when it aired, like in, it premiered in 99 and it ran for a couple years after, um, it was in standard, it was in standard definition. Right. It wasn't high def. So now I'm watching high def, which it creates almost this uncanny valley thing because you can really see how clay it all right. is. Oh, um, yeah. It's really weird and disorienting. And I was on an edible the other night and I turned this <laughs> on and I was just, um, I was just like, I was like, oh man. Um, <laughs> weird. Um, oh, and man. it's like, it's, it's a, it's like really, it's, it's, it's held. It is terribly held up. It's, I mean, the premise to begin with is a pretty. What is the premise? premise. So the premise is it takes place in a housing project and Eddie Murphy plays super who is the super of the building. Okay. There's a character named, uh, uh, Haiti lady. Cause she's from Haiti. Oh, uh, okay. There's another character that just smokes so much. His face is just always obscured by a cloud of smoke. Um, uh, they, there's a, the lady at, at HUD is a regular character. Like, okay. and it was just like, it was, I watched like two or three episodes the other night. Uh, and I was just like, oh man. This and the, the writing doesn't hold up? But is it kind of like, just, is it easy stuff? I don't know, but it's also like, I mean, it's clearly, the, the reason the show got on the air is because somehow Eddie Murphy, well, and also this was one of, uh, Larry Wilmore was a co-creator of this show too. Oh, okay. Uh, this All is right. one of his earlier, his earlier credits. Um, okay. And then, Weirdly, uh, Ron Howard and Brian Glazer, uh, uh, I can't ever remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Company um, that had a deal at Fox and I think still does. Um, but that's all to say that, like, I, I've watched, like, it, it makes a lot of sense of who I am now on the basis of, like, what I was watching then. Yeah. Uh, like, I loved Clone High. What's I that? I love Clone High. What is that? It's on MTV, uh, executive produced by Bill Lawrence. The first real credits that Bill Lord and Chris Miller had, they, they co-created this show, uh, who have now done Into the Spider-Verse and 21 Jump Street and like everything you've ever loved in like the last five to seven years. Uh, the Lego movie, uh, Last Man on Earth. Um, yeah. So um, the premise of the show is... Um, um, and it's so great because the theme song spells it all out too. 
But essentially in the 80s, the government uh, created this cloning program. So they cloned all these famous people and now they all go to high school together. So it's like, <laughs> it's like Cleopatra and Abe Lincoln. It's like the clone of Cleopatra and the clone of Gandhi and the clone of Abe Lincoln and the clone of JFK all going to high school together. Okay. Uh, and the evil scientist is the principal and he has a... Uh, he has a butler robot named Mr. Butlertron. Uh, uh, it's it was it, it ran for like a season. It's been that thing that like people have like. It's the only thing I've ever wanted to see brought back or rebooted because it was so ahead of its time and so insane and goofy. That's like cool. Marilyn Manson is like a, a a guest voice at one point. It's so crazy and insane. Uh, and Zach Braff and Donald Faison and Will Forte and all these amazing people worked on it. Uh, and they just actually announced that they're rebooting that show. MTV or uh, Comedy Central is like really doubling down on animation. Okay. Uh, they're bringing that back. They're bringing, it's not, it's not a reboot of Daria, but it's taking one of the characters from Daria and centering her uh, in her own show. How um, Ender's shadow of them. Okay. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, um, uh, Jody, um, who um, was like the only black female character on that show. Uh, and so this iteration, Tracy Ellis Ross is going to be voicing the character. But, I don't know um, who that is. Who is that? Um, well, Diana Ross's daughter. Okay. Thank um, you. Also on Blackish. If you've okay. Ever on Blackish. Okay. Um, but, but essentially, it's, it's funny to watch. You've seen a lot of um, like live action stuff being cycled and now it's interesting to see the anime like they're bringing beavis and butthead back again i've heard they're talking about bringing ugly americans back on quibi uh which is a great um cult show on that was on comedy central for like three years with matt oberg and um 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 i can't remember her name um it'll come it'll come to me like at the natasha Legero. it's okay Natasha Leggero credit, Pete Holmes did voices, um, and it's it's this really great show done in like the EC Comics kind of style. Of, okay. Uh, it takes place in a New York where zombies and werewolves and ghosts and stuff are all real with okay. like actual people walking around, and it's centered on the main character is leads this support group for creatures. Um, so there's like a fish man, but the upper part is the fish and the lower part is the man. <laughs> uh, so that's like really great. And we've, I've been rewatching that as a reference to the thing I've been working on. But um, yeah, it's, it's that's really- a deep dive, man. That is some that is some dive into some some anime long boxes. Um, it, it is. It, I wasn't kidding when I said that that is like my second short film is. And I mean, you, can, you won't see you, this is an audio podcast unless you're watching a video. But Jackie will will confirm I have a giant right. salt swim flag hanging over my bed. <laughs> <laughs> right, which is, and people can watch it on YouTube. It's I've been posting them since uh, quarantine uh, on the YouTube. What on what is so? Uh, the only thing I know from Adult Swim was the Venture Brothers. That's the only thing I watched. Wow, I I have so like my my love of Adult Swim, like as I was saying, it predates Adult Swim existing. You know, I watched. I remember watching Space Ghost Coast to Coast in real time when I was little. And I still remember at the very end, uh, this isn't in some of the, the reruns or the, the streaming you can find. They put up um, at the end of every episode, you could send, you could fax 
fan letters to uh, Ghost Planet Industries, which was the production company before it became William Street. So I remember distinctly at the end, you would hear like the dial up yeah and it would and it would say fax us ghost planet like you could like and to me it's like what like what an early um what an early example of like fan engagement before social media or any of that kind of stuff it was like yeah. literally like here's how you can fax stuff to the production office because why not what um, was what was ghost coast to coast about space ghost coast yeah space coast, coast. Yeah. was the idea so they essentially took, they were like, they had just, Ted, Ted Turner had just acquired Hanna-Barbera. Um, and essentially the story is they were like trying to figure out like what to do with this stuff. And someone took the idea of like, oh, what if we repurpose Space Ghost from like the, the you know, him being the superhero. What if he's a talk show host and, you know, the villain the one villain is his BAM leader and the other villain is the video operator. And it starts oh. and at a certain point, Harvey Birdman gets pulled into it and all of these other kind of like Hanna-Barbera superhero kind of. So characters. it's just, it's just a, it's just clip art essentially from a decade of cartoons, old repurposed old, and then turned into a talk show. So to a degree they would, um, they would, they would essentially, so, the brilliant thing is all of the guests were live. So they would be on this little screen that would come down. And so the idea would be they did these interviews in real life. So they had someone dress up as in a Space Ghost costume and interview. And it's crazy if you go back and look at the guests. They had like R.E.M. and um, um, they had like Emo Phillips. Like they just like had everyone you would like ever like associate with the 90s on that show. Yeah. Um, like the guy, the two guys from Metallica, like it's it's crazy to go back and watch who 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 said yes to the insanity, especially in the, the very early stages of this. So yeah. the idea would be they would do this interview and then they would retro script based on the answers that were given to like very normal questions. Right. And it would come like it's um, you know, Eric Andre says that Space Ghost is his biggest influence for the Eric Andre show. Okay. In the sense that this chaotic yeah, it's this chaotic talk show concept. Um, but it, it's it, my my love of Adult Swim is where that started, and I still remember watching, you know, the first night that like it premiered proper. Because um, it was just a block of time, right? It was a block. It was it was a block of time. So they so Adult Swim actually officially premiered in. December, I believe December 30th of 1999, because of budgetary things, they had to air these pilots uh, before the end of the fiscal year in order for <laughs> the budget uh. to not get affected. But it doesn't premiere proper until I believe September 10th, 2000, which is then when, so they had um, greenlit several other shows to live in this block. And then they also picked up home movies. Uh, they had picked up reruns of Baby Blues from, uh, from Warner Brothers. Um, What's home movies? Home movies is the Lauren, Lauren Picard uh, show that predates Bob's Burgers. Okay. And what's the blue one? Baby Blues was a very short-lived uh, cartoon adaptation of, of the comic strip of the same name. Okay. I, you, you should know that I stopped watching television from like 1995 to 2010. 
this is great. This is yeah. what this is all about, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. Not about stuff, but it was with Drew Carey, and I believe Diedrich Bader was also a voice. Um, this came out of you know the Drew Carey show being on on the WB ABC, yeah. Synergy. But so that was, and it's crazy to think about. Like I was when Adult Swim premiered, I was like nine years old, and like I'm 29 now, and it's really insane to look at. Like, like I don't think people. Like you can trace back that the the beginning of Adult Swim to stuff like Liquid Television and all of that kind of like MTV early '90s animation stuff, and you're seeing it, you're seeing it like impacting stuff now. I think people now are really starting to understand the whole punk DIY CBGB idea of Adult Swim into other animation. Like thinking about like, have you have you had a chance to to watch John Hodgman? Uh, new cartoon that no. with, with David Reese. It's called Dick Town. It was airing on FXX. It's on Hulu. But okay. It's, it's like it's John and, and David as like party boy characters, and they, they they live in this nondescript town called Richardville, but everyone calls it Dick Town. Sure. Uh, and it's and you watch it, and you can clearly see the influence of Archer. Yeah. And Archer doesn't happen unless C-Lab 2021 happens through Adult Swim. Ah, you know, know, when Aisha Tyler was on The Dork Forest, I think in 2007 or 8, maybe 9, I asked her what she was doing. (laughs) And uh, she was like, Archer? And I was like, what is that? Anyway, uh, so, uh, yeah, I... I have seen Archer. Archer is is, uh, very dark and funny and... um, so, but I have not seen Dicktown. Uh, that is, but it's there's this irreverence in animation that started from that time, that Adult Swim, where it's just like we can make dick jokes, and we can, or more so that there is an audience for adult animation, in the sense right. of like past past the, the the peg of the Simpson South Park Family Guy. Like, right. It tends to manifest itself at its most basic level as dick jokes. But there's right. also anime and manga, right, for every age and every, which I think came in and kind of influenced it, don't you think? Yeah. Because manga can be for babies, and it could also be porn, and it could also be for children, you know, for, for seniors. And it could be uh, dramatic, and it could be not, you know, comedic, or it can, it can be all the things. Well, that's another kind of brilliant thing that's been happening through Adult Swim right now is that, you know, they revived something called Toonami, which was a very popular anime block of uh, programming that Cartoon Network ran through the late 90s into the early aughts. That's what we're calling it, right? I still right. don't know. Sure. What the heck? Period. Um, and it went, um, it went away for a very long time. And to his credit, Jason DeMarco, who has always been the one in Adult Swim that's pushed animation... Uh, Saturday nights have infamously been the anime night on Adult Swim. Uh, he rebooted and he was like, we should bring back Toonami and it should be part of our programming, which has been a huge hit, especially now with Crunchyroll and like how, how much anime, anime and manga has really impacted the U.S. market. It's such a brilliant thing to the effect that now they are commissioning, I think they're one of the only American broadcast networks that is commissioning anime in the way that they are like they're working on a on a blade runner anime sequel series 
which is like a huge deal. Um, you know, they were like the they were the only. I wonder if they're using the the comic book because I'm uh, I'm I have a I'm reading the comic book, which is a follow up to Blade Runner. And of course, there was a sequel Blade Runner movie. Right. And um, it's called Blade Runner Black Lotus. Okay. Um, It does pull some inspiration from the book. Yeah. Uh, But more so like it's just it's just interesting to watch all of that influence into other things like you know it's not animation but like tell me that every third commercial you see these days isn't inspired by tim and eric and their video work in like 2005 2006 um, uh right which i wasn't watching uh tim and eric and i know maria bamford has been on tim and eric and i'm supposed to care because uh, <laughs> she's my friend but uh what is tim and eric why don't someone should explain this to me <laughs> tim and eric is the shorthand of Tim Heidecker and Eric Warheim, uh, they made weird short films and Bob Odenkirk caught on to them and was like, oh, this is like, this is like the closest thing to what me and David were doing. Like, I'm so on board with this. So the first thing they created was a thing called Tom Goes to the Mayor, which was a very weird show in the sense of the design style. All the characters were fed through dot matrix printers. So they all have this weird blue dot kind of printout look to them. Right, um, right. It's very cheap and whatnot. But um, then they created this show called Tim and Eric Awesome Show Great Job, which is a live action sketch show, which just everyone's been on. And that's the first time I I ever saw Maria uh, was on was on that show. Okay. Um, and you go back and it's like Ted Danson was on the show. Zach Galifianakis was on that show. Um, just it just goes on and on and on. But but the thing that set that show apart was the, the the editing aesthetic. It was very much UHF public access, hiring non-actors as actors, hiring from central casting. So you always got these very weird, interesting people. And like I just watched a thing today uh, that Paul Rudd did for the city of New York, encouraging people to wear masks. It's a Tim and Eric sketch. The aesthetic, the editing, the pacing, everything. It is a and it was super weird to watch a thing that is essentially an official New York City public service announcement done in that style. Okay, yeah, that is uh, right. It's uh, the influence of that stuff. I mean, and then, I mean, I look at all the influences of, it's all so blurry, you know, like there's no, there's there's all this sort of retroactive, I love, you know, People are are stating their love of just sort of pixeled, you know, uh, video games from when I was, you know, in the late 70s and early 80s, where you're like, no, that's the cool thing. We're going to make this video game look like uh, the video games from then. And you're like, yeah, but you could make it look like it's real. They're like, no, I need it to look 2D. So for me, it's the idea of like, well, who are the people that have disposable income? the people that were kids in the 80s and the 90s they're the ones that now have they have the cash yeah they're the ones that they're the they're the majority of the market share so it's like who you know so yeah why not design the thing that makes someone remember being 11 years old and waking up on saturday morning and turning on the super nintendo or whatever right but what are you going to remember are you going to remember the thing that i remember I mean, that's, yeah, the rem- yeah, it's like, I, it's like, there's no, like, I grew up in hip hop, right? So 
by, you know, it's KRS-One and, and, and Biggie and all those guys. And so now there's just more hip-hop, but they're still referencing that hip-hop. And there's, so there's no new, there's no musical, there's no new musical style. I mean, you can, I just, someone just asked if they could talk about English bells, but, uh, which is very like middle-ages. Like yeah, yeah, the old. Yeah, yeah. like the, like the, uh, the, you see them outside during the holidays. With yeah. The- yeah, I think so. So uh, <laughs> maybe that'll too cope. Uh, but I want, I don't know what I want. I, I know that there's new, there's so much great new stand-up and there's new writing that's happening, right? But it doesn't feel like the tech, like the tech is, is, is going so fast that I think like the new tech nerds are like, we could recreate things from the past so that I can get, you know, that old white dude to give me a giant bag of money to make my new writing, right? The writing is new. Right. And I mean, I'll bring up a, I'll bring up something like when this, when this goes out in a couple of weeks, it won't be new news, but this like this broke. So, um, so they just announced that they are doing a animated reboot of good times developed by, uh, Carl Jones who helped, uh, bring the boondocks TV and like yeah. a bunch of other amazing stuff. They just announced that like an hour ago that they're doing an animated reboot of Good Times with, um, with um, Carl, Seth MacFarlane, and Norman Lear is going to be involved in a producing capacity, which God bless him because the man's almost a hundred years old now. <laughs> right, right. It's uh, it's like Carl Reiner. Uh, but the um, what about? I just the weird weirdest thing that I just saw was that there was some new uh drama that was coming out and it was about two things. One, they uh there was a new animated TV show that they just canceled that was a rip off of Hair Love, which won the short that oh, won yeah. the Oscar. The, the, yeah, the uh the Nick Jr. thing that they claim they had in development before, but they can't produce anything predating when Matthew Cherry's Kickstarter ended. And literally the entire cast and creative crew is, there are no people of color. There, they, it was, they said that there they were like, like for some black creative, well, yeah, as a white woman in like a, a white producing uh, team. team and a white male team and a white woman team. And it, you're just like, yeah, just because the PAs are black people, that doesn't count. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you need some creative, and then and then there was a a, a a black-led ensemble cast, and no women, and no black people in the writers' room, and so you're oh, like, that was that Netflix the Netflix series that they just, um, yeah, yeah, my my um my you're buddy, following the news, good work, my buddy. Um, well, I want to, I mean, I want to, yeah. I want to produce, and I want to be in this realm of of stuff. So, you know, you got to keep tabs. But the thing is my, my friend, uh, Ming Pfeiffer, who is a brilliant playwright, wrote this amazing play called usual girls, which people should read. It's available. Um, usual he girls. One of the, he was one of the writers on that show. And she, yeah, when they posted the trailer the other day, she was like, this is a mess. And this is not representative of what was actually going on behind the scenes. And it's very disingenuous that Netflix is, you know, positioning the show is like black voice black centered blah 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 when behind the scenes all this stuff was going on right right it's just i mean the thing is is it's an awareness of of going forth in the industry and in every industry how about that plumbing 
Uh, so, uh, but just try to be more inclusive and try, and, and, but especially with storytelling, if you want to tell a story, you know, my husband's a, a game designer and he was just talking to a guy about how, when he wants to, if he has to write a woman character in level design and there's a storyline to it, how does he write a woman character? You know, he's, he, he gets to, everybody gets to write about other people and try to get that perspective, but you have to make sure that you have some sort of input and that you have some sort of empathy. Right. And, um, and it's, so it's, it's, it's another, it's another job, right? We all have a 3,700 jobs now. And if you want to, you're like, no, we should tell these stories about these people. You have to also employ those people. And, and to me, it's like, to, to bring this full circle back around. Right, because um, we are at an hour, my friend. Um, you know, I think, you know, the thing that's always inspired me a lot about Kevin Smith is, like, he did this, he, he, he knew he had a story, he felt that the story would relate to other people, but at its basic level, it's like, even if no one digs it, you know, I did this thing with my friends, and, you know, I'm proud of it, and et cetera, et cetera. And it's always, that's always instilled this model, to, this thing to me of like, you know, the way I say it is, I don't wait for someone to open a door for me. I pick up a chainsaw and rip one into the wall. Right, you know? right, right. You so, just make the thing, do the thing. the thing, you know, don't let people go, that's a stupid idea, or no one's going to watch that, or no one's going to listen to your music. Or no, It's like, make it and put it into the universe. If anything, you know, there's a double-edged sword to the to the internet of like it brings a lot of bad people together, but it also We did not create the internet so that Nazis could meet each other. I swear it, to God. But, but that's what's happening. But that's what's happening. But what I'm saying is uh, you know, the flip of it is that, you know, it's so easy as much as I start to feel like old man on my lawn, like, look how creative people are being on TikTok. Like, you know, yep. it's like yep. the internet has made it so easy. Um, and the you technology's know, there, use it. It's made it so easy to get your stuff in front of people and connect to other people. Cause like, who cares if some studio executive isn't into it? If you've got 20,000 people on, on your Patreon and like they're into your stuff and like you're su- sustaining yourself, like do it, you know, you know, all you need, this is a band model from the seventies. If you can get a hundred, uh, wait, a thousand people to give you a hundred dollars a year. That's a hundred thousand dollars. You got four people in your band. That's $25,000 a year for four people. And well, that's legal and travel. And well, it's, <laughs> unless you're, you know, you're, and, and what that is, is that's merch sales. That's why bands sold merch. And so if you can get a thousand people to give you a hundred dollars a year on the internet, that's a hundred grand, you know, well, that, that goes, uh, that goes back to the Fugazi, the whole, the whole thing with that band was that they, they, they were infamous that their shows were $5 for years and years and years and years and years and years because they were like, that's how they built, that's how they built their base. That's yeah. how they heard that whoever could come see them. They didn't believe in merch. There, some of the shows there weren't even physical tickets for, and the in my favorite, the favorite thing I was just reading a, a bunch of history about the band. Um, one of my favorite things about that is, you know, they did these five dollar shows, and they would keep a stack of five dollar bills in their tour van, 
so that when they had to pick people out for moshing and being violent, they would just hand them a $5 bill and throw them out of the building. <laughs> oh, perfect. That is awesome. And then, so this is great. This is a great message to go out on, which is that you got to make and do your thing. The other thing that people beat themselves up about, they're like, well, I don't want to start a podcast. There's hundreds of thousands of podcasts. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to make a shitty podcast. Don't worry about it. Make the thing that you love and it'll be as good or as bad as it's going to be. But you will, you, if you like it, it genuinely doesn't matter. Just make the thing you want to make and see if anyone gives a shit. That's why I moved to Los Angeles to see if anyone cared. And so far, everyone's been very polite. Okay. I mean, everything going on, what do you have to lose by throwing your hat in the creative ring? You've and never like, had anything to lose. You know, you're just going to sit around anyway. So you might as well do the thing you like uh, and put it out there. Jeremy, Wayne, you are great. This has been fascinating and encouraging and wonderful. And everyone, this my show, T-H-I-S-M-Y-S-H-O-W, this my show, at this my show is his Twitter, playperview.com, uh, right? Play-purview.com, uh, yes. Uh, there we go. Uh, and I'll put them both in the notes. And um, we have been talking about an- animation and Kevin Smith and all the good things. And thank you so much for being on the show finally, man. It, is a, uh, it was a dream come true. It was a pleasure. Awesome. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?